So I've been thinking quite a bit about these. We've been doing this series of lists, the 37 wings of awakening. If you add up all of the components, it comes to 37. And, <laughs> and um, we've actually, with the Eightfold Path, you've come to the end of the list, really, that there are, um, we've done, let's see, I just have to think back to the, the foundations of mindfulness and the four powers and the four wise efforts and the five spiritual faculties and um, the seven factors of enlightenment and the eightfold path. So there's one list that we haven't talked about except that we have, so I want to visit it a bit today, which is the same list as the five spiritual faculties. It has faith, it has um, concentration, it has mindfulness, it has effort, and it has wisdom. And in its second version, it's known as the five strengths. So these are all elements that can help you in developing your practice. And they're also elements that are the strengths of your practice as it develops. It's what you, it's they are the foundations or the pillars or however, whatever word you like, the muscles of your practice. And it, it comes to me at this particular time because as I said at the beginning, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, attendance has gone up here at the center this summer. And at first I thought, oh, we tweaked the program a little bit, that's why. And then I realized uh, it wasn't just one particular class, it was all of the classes, not so much this one, but some of the evening ones in particular. And um, and I realized that it, it reminded me of what happened when the first Iraq war started and after 9-11 and then when the second Iraq war started and I thought, oh, there's a lot of cultural upheaval happening right now and as I talk to people, I get a sense that people are worried that, that this country that we grew up in having ideas about what kind of a country it was and how it would run and how people would be dealt with, we don't seem to be doing such a good job. And I don't know that it matters too much what your political affiliation is. I don't think anybody's really thinking that we're doing a very good job. And it's a little scary. It's a little scary. Certainly not what I thought was going to be happening when I was a kid or even as I began to grow up. I haven't been the most skeptical of being, so it's taken, maybe I'm a little slow, uh, it's taken me a while. And as I've thought about it, I've realized that it's one of those places where it's very, very important to have a practice. And I don't know, and I know I've said this in here before, I don't know how many times various people have said to me, I don't know how I would have gotten through, and then you can fill in the blank, the illness, the death, the loss of a job, the loss of a relationship, whatever, without the practice. It's actually one of the most gratifying things that I hear. I realize that when I hear that, that what I've been doing has actually been helpful. And it's kind of nice if you're teaching to know that what you're teaching is useful. So, um, 
I think that's something to remember now at this particular time, in a time of some uncertainty and not seeing clearly what's going to happen next. And all the people, you know, certainly in my age range that I know are saying, gee, I don't know if I'm going to be able to retire. Can I retire? Or maybe I won't have enough money. People I know who are trying to retire who don't have enough money or who have retired and don't have enough money. People who are losing houses, can't get houses, can't find housing. All of the difficulties that are so, mm, so much part of our cultural life right now. So to remember that there is something in every part of the world, in every spiritual practice, that is grounding and supportive in doing that practice. And that people all over the world for many thousands of years have turned to their practice when the, you know, when the going gets a bit rough. And so you have, at times like this, the strength of your practice. You have these five strengths. So if you remember, there's the strength of faith, that sense, that place where we get a little inspired, where we're inclined to trust, you know, it's in the early part of it, it's sort of the falling in love time, but it's also the place where you know what you know. And that's the most important kind of faith. So it's important, periodically, I think, to look back in your practice and go, okay, I know, like I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, if I'm nuts, if I sit down, and rest my attention with the breath and keep it there and bring it back every time I wander up. I know I will focus and calm down. I have done this over and over and over and over again. And when I focus and calm down, then I see what's going on in me more clearly and I see what's going on in the world. That's the kind of faith that's really, really important. That's called verified faith, actually, where you know that something is true. I know that it takes some effort. You know, that's another strength, and that's that place of you can't just kind of go along and go, yeah, you know, for Pasana, I've done it once in a while, and it's really nice, and I hear good talks. That's not going to help a whole lot. But that place that has some energy. And so, you know, I look around the room. I know that most of you get here most Tuesdays. And I know that that takes some effort. You have to plan, think about it. You get in your car or your bike or whatever. You create space in your day. You get here. There's some effort that's involved. And if you do retreats or study or other groups, there's effort to that. And that that is one of the strengths of your practice, that willingness to use energy and effort. I'm going to skip mindfulness a minute. There is a strength in knowing how to concentrate the mind. That's that same place that I was just mentioning. You put your attention in one place, and you focus, and you practice that kind of focusing, and it will bring some stillness and some calm, and that's a much better place from which to live your life and to make your decisions than when you're scattered and crazy and the mind is going a gazillion miles a minute. And then 
there's the place of wisdom, the insights that arise, that where you go, oh, yeah. You know, and you, you look and you see more deeply how fragile and impermanent everything is. I have a friend on the Big Island, a woman who's a nun, and she lives in Burma, actually, most of the time. And I spent some time, quite a bit of time with her while I was there in these last weeks. And she has just had a bout of breast cancer, and she's had a double mastectomy. And she did it not because she was being required to. She said, eh, I'm a nun, you know, I don't need these things anyway. And she was kind of into let's deal with it and take care of it and, and have it be over. And, but, of course, there's always, as in any cancer scenario, you know, what kind of cancer is it? How aggressive is it? What kinds of treatments will I need? Will I need radiation, chemo? All of those kind of big decisions. And scary, because, of course, it could be, it could have been that it had already metastasized. It could be that it will come back. It could be that it will kill her. And she said, I realized at some point that this is how it's supposed to be. This is what bodies do. They do. The news is not good, you know? They get old, they get sick, and they die. I am of the nature to age, I am of the nature to sicken, I am of the nature to die. No one in this room gets out of that. All you have is your karma, the consequences of your actions. There's a one in there in the middle that every everything that you have, all your stuff, you don't get to keep. You know? That bumper sticker, you know, he who has the most things wins, most toys. It's not true. You don't get to keep your toys. They will become otherwise. All you have then is your practice. So the wisdom that arises is where we begin to see this. We see how fragile it is. We see that there's nothing really solid that we can say is mine and me. We see the nature of our suffering, that when we hold on and grab onto things and try to make them ours and permanent, we suffer. So mindfulness is the umbrella strength. Mindfulness is the one that looks, sort of surveys the scene and sees what's going on and recognizes it and is present with it and able to act skillfully out of that scene. So this, is, this practice, these strengths, are a great gift to every person here. It's a great gift to have this practice. It's a gift at times of cultural difficulty, and it's a gift at times of perfect personal difficulty, and it's a gift when things are just peachy and wonderful, and then you get to be with that. Because sometimes, you know, we don't even stay with the good stuff, right? We get so busy getting on to more good stuff or whatever that we don't even take the time to savor whatever the beautiful moment is that we're in. So I really invite you to consider these strengths of your practice and perhaps to, you know, you can use the mindfulness to assess, you know, well, I've got, I'm pretty strong here and here and here, but you know, my effort these days, that's not so good. You know, your, your effort muscles are a little weak. So then that's where you bring some attention and try to bring it up a little bit.
I think I'll stop there and see if there's questions or comments. Yes, please. Um, what would say in the five? Faith, effort or energy, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. They balance each other out, actually. That's one of the things I didn't say. I might have said it a few weeks ago, or whoever was talking about the five faculties. Um, faith is juicy and yummy and has the falling in love kind of thing, or the inspired kind of thing. Wisdom is very clear and discerning, um, and they, they go together because faith can sometimes be blind, Everybody here has fallen in love with the wrong person at least once. <laughs> and you don't see what you're getting, but you think it's perfect for a while. And wisdom can be a little dry. And so the two together are actually, really, they balance each other. Effort is that place that has some push and some energy and some passion. But it can be too pushy and too energetic. And concentration is what stills and quiets. But sometimes you can actually get too still, and then you're kind of cut off from the real world, or you get kind of caught by the blissfulness of the quiet, and then you don't have enough energy. So that those two balance. And mindfulness, again, is the overseer. That's the one that, that sort of tracks all of that. Anyone else? Make sense? 